0: Welcome into the Sports Gambling Fantasy Football Podcast. I am at FF Bourbon Dude, and we are on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and even Virginia. From boosted same game parlays to live in game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. So sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Stay restrictions do apply. We're also brought to you by our mini helmet contest. The SGP mini helmets are now in store, and we're giving one away for free. So again, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet and welcome in i hope everybody had a wonderful christmas or a final day of hanukkah look i don't know i don't judge so hey Happy happy holidays to anybody out there and even if you don't fit into those hey, we hope you had a great weekend and you're ready for this Monday night football game. Again, I am that FF Bourbon dude on Twitter and I'm flying solo tonight as you can tell. As Dave has spent most of the day on the road and is just tired. He's dealing with some of that that road rage most likely if he's anything like me, right? So hey, look, we hope that he had a good holiday as well, and we look to get him back on the air on Thursday. And look, I would be remiss if I don't take a minute to talk about the fact that I'm happy. I am enthusiastic tonight as I am, I, or I was, going into last night's game, the number one player in the Scott Fishbowl for 2022. I am now dropped to number five. And look, there's there's 30 teams that progress to the finals next week I should be pretty much a lock for that and I am ecstatic to be able to represent the SGBN fantasy football team and I hope I can bring home that that Scott Fishbowl championship. Now Some of you may be listening to this pod saying, what the hell is a Scott Fishbowl? And if you haven't heard of it, it is an absolute phenomenon that we as the fantasy community put on every year. It's hosted by Ryan McDowell and Scott Fish and a lot of others that put in a lot of time and effort to make this thing happen. It is basically a three, this year was a 3000 team fantasy football uh, tournament uh, that was season long redraft type uh, situation where all of the proceeds go to what's called Fantasy Cares. So check out fantasycares.net. Again, that's fantasycares.net to kind of see all the different things that Fantasy Cares does. But for the Scott Fishbowl in particular, they donate all of the proceeds for the Scott Fishbowl to Toys for Tots. Again, that's Toys for Tots. They do all kinds of stuff for the Christmas season and the holiday season for all those kids, all those families that are less fortunate. And it's just, again, to show how we as a fantasy community can come together and what we can achieve as one. So, hey, look, like I said, I'm just really excited to be in that top 30 out of those 3,000 teams this year. And hey, hopefully, you get in, you go to scottfishbowl.com, you get signed up for Scott Fishbowl 13 next season, and who knows, maybe you'll get that invite and the chance to play with us. It is so much fun to get together with everybody again, and it's it's a mixture of fans and quote-unquote experts. right? I don't want to call myself an expert. I'm sure Dave doesn't call himself an expert, but hey, for all of us that put out fantasy content to help you, as well as the fans, everybody gets a chance to get into that Scott Fishbowl. And like I said, it is so much fun. So make sure you check it again, check it out again at Scottfishbowl.com to get your signups in. So look, we're gonna get into a couple topics. It, it's the off season, it's the official off season for us in fantasy football. And this is a time where you start to evaluate and you say, okay, I need to build my team. Or I need to just move on to look at next season because I think I've already got a team. A lot of us look at, well, what does that rebuild look like? And the one thing that I want to talk to us today about are what I'll call cornerstone. It's It's been around the industry for a couple years now, but we're going to talk about those cornerstone players that you want to build your team around. These are the players you want on your team. They're going to be expensive because they're the cornerstone of your dynasty team. And again, Dynasty fantasy football is what we're talking about on this. We talk about it every week. So we look at it through that lens of longevity. What is it like year to year and what players do we want? And that's what we're going to get in right after another read from our sponsors. Hey, look, WinBed is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBed is active in a bunch of states. I already read them earlier in the ad read. And there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays, which is my personal favorite. Plus, for all of us, hashtag Ggens only. You try your look at that. Try your luck at that WinBet's Parlay Wheel. It is a ton of fun. They have great promos, odds, and payouts that are happening right now at WinBet. So, are you ready to play? Sign up today and receive our special offer: bet one hundred dollars and win one hundred dollars. It is limited to state availability. There are so many things to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions of winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And as mentioned before, we are also brought to you by the SGP Mini Helmet Contest. Do not forget to enter the SGP Mini Helmet Contest from now until the end of the year. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet to enter. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. All right. So let's get into these cornerstone rankings. Now, look, when I talk cornerstones, when you're building or you're rebuilding or you're looking at really starting your dynasty roster all over again, there's two spots that you really foundationally to build from. That is the quarterback position and the wide wide receiver position. You never build a dynasty roster around running backs. That's never the starting point. That's always one of the last things that you add to your dynasty roster. So I'm not talking about the running back position today. We're only going to talk about The four or five guys that I think you need to think about possibly paying up for to start to build that dynasty roster, and that's the quarterback and the wide receiver positions. So let's get into the quarterback position, and and all four of these names you're going to look at and probably be like, well, no shit. We know that, but here's the caveat. Cornerstone rankings, I'm talking about guys who have been in the league for three or less years. Guys that are in the league for three or less years. So you're look typically looking at 24 years or younger at these cornerstone positions. So, so the first quarterback I want to talk about, you definitely want to try to obtain to build your dynasty around. Again, you already know this guy. It's Justin Herbert. My QB one out of these cornerstone rankings. He's the guy that's thrown for 4,000 plus yards each of his three seasons. He's got almost just a little under a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. And look, everything that Mike Lombardi is doing from an offensive play calling perspective is working for Justin Herbert. Now, people will say, oh, his touchdowns are down this year. We don't know if it's sustainable what we saw his first and second season. And I'll say, you're wrong you're just flat out wrong. He played half of this season without Mike Williams and without Keenan Allen. And now that they're back, you're seeing the offensive philosophy go back to where he can score those touchdowns. So I don't think you have to worry about that touchdown regression from Justin Herbert, what you may see in the stats. If you just look at the box scores this year, now there is some volatility in all of these players. And I always like to talk about the good with the bad and the volatility with Justin Herbert is look, His offensive weapons are all old. There's going to be some turnover over the next couple of years, whether you talk about Austin Eckler at age 27, or whether you talk about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who next year will be either 29 and Mike Williams or over the age of 30 and Keenan Allen. So there is definitely some volatility in that offensive philosophy and what it's going to look like, how they draft, who they bring in as free agents, that type of thing, because look, The simple fact of the matter is we've seen some regression from Justin Herbert when his offensive weapons are not healthy. And I don't think that's, uh, you know, that's fair to just omit from the, from a dynasty perspective. So keep that in mind when you're looking at Justin Herbert, there is going to be some offensive changes, some wide receivers changes. We hope that Joshua Palmer is that guy that can kind of step in and fill one of those positions when they move on from either Keenan Allen or uh, Mike Dub, Mike Williams. All right, let's move on to my QB2 in cornerstone rankings. Again, these are guys that have only been in the leagues for three or less years, and that's going to be Joe Burrow, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, this guy would have also had three seasons with 4,000-plus yards passing, but he did get hurt his rookie season, uh, and, and he ha- he's had he got the same over that 2-to-1 touchdown-interception to ratio. The big difference between him and Justin Herbert is he has that smash wide receiving core and they're young and Jamar Chase and T Higgins. They have a great three in Tyler Higbee. They may have a tight end that could possibly return and be that tight end kind of product, uh, you know, productivity guy for them in Hayden Hurst, who's looked pretty good at the tight end position for them. His big downside is the offensive line. And look, they tried to address it this offseason. They brought in Lyle Collins. They brought in Alex Kappa in an effort to try to solidify what was really their Achilles heel in that Super Bowl. It was their Achilles heel all season last year, and it just hasn't come to fruition. We saw Lyle Collins go down yesterday in injury. They are currently, even with those two additions, the third-worst pass-blocking offensive line per PFF this season. So that is a big deal. They have to get it addressed. Even though they tried to do it last offseason, it did not work, and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board with it all over again. That's the only thing I can see that could affect Joe Burrow in the future. He still has stud-wide receivers. He's got Joe Mixon. It looks like they've got some good guys in Chris Evans and Samaje Pre Piran behind him. They may address it in the draft again, possibly. Who knows? But look, Joe Burrow is a stud. He is Joe Cool for a reason. And he should also be one of those guys that you can absolutely feel comfortable going after and paying up to get him on your roster in a dynasty league and never, you know, really not have to worry about the quarterback position for the next 10 plus years. So let's move on to my QB three, and that's going to be Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And look, this dude's got over 700 rushing yards both of his years as a starter. He's almost a three. He's just under about a 2.7 to one touchdown interception ratio. And look, he has clearly improved as a passer if you look at him from year two in last year into rolling into his third year this season with the addition of A.J. Brown. They have two of uh, possibly... I would argue the best wide receiver core in the league between A.J. Brown and uh, Devonta Smith. And when you throw in Dallas Goddard in there, who's a dynamic playmaker at the tight end position, they really have a great core around him. They've got good play calling going on right now. The volatility with Jalen Hurts for me is his passing, right? He doesn't have a ton of volume in the passing game. We would love to see him take that step in passing attempts. There are currently 31st in the league in passing attempts. That's is, that's is not a lot. It's they're just not there. They're not throwing the ball a ton, but he's super efficient right now. He's never eclipsed 4000 passing yards. And because of that, that always scares me a little bit from the quarterback position, which is why I couldn't put him above Joe Cool or Justin Herbert, my man, uh, my personal number one in these cornerstone rankings. All right, the next guy I want to talk about is the uh, one of the younger guys in this list and that's going to be Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And look, from year 1 to year 2, we were there were some serious concerns around Trevor Lawrence last year with Urban Meyer as the offensive uh, as the guy coming in as the head coach. He was fired. Insert Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has done a really nice job conforming to Trevor Lawrence's skills. Uh, putting him in spots to win. And we've seen him progress throughout the season. Has he had some knucklehead plays? Has he had some up and downs in the season? Absolutely. But when you can see a jump in completion percentage, and you see a jump in touchdowns, and you see a drop in interceptions corresponding to an increase in his QBR, I think those are all indicators that you saw Trevor Lawrence take a step from year one to year two. And now you add Calvin Ridley to that uh, that equation moving into his third year, uh, new uh, newly acquired right wide receiver, and you you get to have Christian Kirk still quite possibly. I think it'd be silly if they don't re-sign Evan Ingram. I think Trevor Lawrence is a huge cornerstone piece for your dynasty roster moving forward. And he's probably one of the cheaper guys out of all of these. Not probably. He is definitely the cheapest out of Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert when you're looking at building your dynasty roster. He can he's the most affordable. And I think the guy that I'd probably target because of price, right? Now, now, the volatility around Trevor Lawrence, like we've talked about with every other uh, player in these cornerstone rankings, is for him is going to be the offensive line. Look, his starting tackle and his best graded pass blocker in Jawan Taylor is actually an unrestricted free agent next year. They don't have another offensive lineman that is a graded above a 57 out of 100 by PFF scale. Now, there's always some scrutiny around PFF scales and whether their grading is accurate or not. But look, simple fact of the matter is Juwan Taylor is their best offensive lineman and he's an unrestricted free agent next year and he's their tackle, right? It's going to be a very interesting situation come next season if they do not address that that tackle position, they do not address that offensive line position, You know, similar to what the Bengals tried to do last year, right? We talked about how the Bengals brought in Lyle Collins. They brought in Alex Kappa. They're still the third worst offensive line from a pass-blocking perspective, right? So they can't just bring in one player and expect that offensive line to just conform and be a great pass-blocking offensive line. That's not how it works, so they're going to need to address that. I do expect to see Trevor Lawrence continue to take steps forward, like I said, especially with the addition of Calvin Ridley in the offseason. So Trevor Lawrence is my fourth-ranked cornerstone quarterback. All right, my last guy that I want to talk about at the quarterback position, and this might be a little controversial knowing the guys that didn't make the list, right? And this is going to be Kenny Pickett, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, hear me out. He's a rookie. He hasn't looked great, but he's at a 65% completion percentage. He only has four touchdowns to eight interceptions. Like that's bad news bears, and it is, I don't want to lie, it is somewhat worrisome to me. But we have seen him make improvements in that turnover category over the last six weeks, where he's only thrown one interception out of the eight over the last six weeks. You know, he came in in that first game through three interceptions. Probably all three of them, if you go back and watch that game, are not on Kenny Pickett. They were on the receivers. All three of them hit the receivers in the hand, they were kind of deflected interceptions, right? You can't put all of that on Kenny Pickett, and I'm not going to put all of that in Kenny Pickett. Now, there's the volatility with him. Is <laughs> look, That offensive line is pitiful, but it's not only the offensive line. It's Matt Canada. Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator is terrible. This dude has no business being an offensive coordinator in the league. He was not good when he was at Indiana. He was not good when he was at NC State. He has not been good in the two seasons that he's been with Pittsburgh. And here's how you know that he's never been higher than 21st ranked in yardage or points from an offensive standpoint over the two years that they've been. He's been the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh. They do not move the ball and they do not score points. That is all because of play calling and they need to move on from Matt Canada. They need to bring in whether it's a veteran play caller, who is a little more less vanilla. Like he's just a bad dude when it comes to call and plays. He doesn't put them in a position to win. They get into the red zone. They can't score points because of that. So they've got to move on from that. And they have to address the offensive line. They have gotten better as the season's moved on. Unlike that of the Bengals and unlike that of the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have seen improvement throughout the the season, but they definitely still need to take a step moving, uh, you know, a step forward in that Avenue. Because they've got George Pickens, who we've seen flashes from. They've got Deontay Johnson, who, you know, for me, is one of the better route runners in the league. This dude gets open against everybody. The biggest problem is the dude runs backwards when he catches the ball. Like he tries to do too much. If he would just catch the ball and run forward, we'd be all right. But I want to say it was after three weeks in the season, and don't don't quote me on this. I think it was three weeks into the season Deontay Johnson had negative yards after the catch. Like, he's clearly running backwards. Like, Matt Canada, offensive coordinator, fix that. Wide receiver coach, fix that. Do something about that. And the only way to do that, again, remove Matt Canada from the equation, get a new wide receiver coach in there, and get Deontay Johnson coached up because he is a very good wide receiver. All right. So those are my five cornerstone quarterbacks. I would suggest going and getting in a rebuild type situation. I would pay what the market price is for those guys right now. If I was in a bad situation, I won two two games and I've got a bunch of picks, or even if I'm middle of the road, you know, let's say I was six six and eight going into the playoffs. I'm still looking to make some of these moves and just tear down my roster and put one of these five guys on it. There are some notable guys. Notable guy's not on there. And, hey, look, Nate, that is a very true statement, right? Barry Sanders retired because Detroit couldn't do anything to help him. They refused to do anything to help him. And Pittsburgh is in a very similar situation right now, right? They're moving on from some of these offensive linemen, uh, and it's not getting better we hope that Najee Harris doesn't retire early. I don't think we have to worry about that right now, you know. He is an older running back coming out and he's got a ton of touches, but that O-line has to be addressed for Pittsburgh. I 100% agree. Um again, all right, so notable misses from the quarterback position. Some of you may say, "Why the hell is Tua not on that list?" Look, if you watch Tua and this is just this is just Objective Brad putting on the Dolphins game and watching those deep balls are not successful because two is a great quarterback, not because he's a great passer. It's because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle come back and make the corners look bad. All of his deep balls are underthrown severely, and I mean severely 10 yards underthrown, where Tyreek Hill has to stop and come back and jump over a corner to make the catch. And look, yes. They're doing that right now, and it's making Tua look good. But when you look at that, and you couple it with another concussion, this guy cannot stay healthy. Think about that bad hip injury that he had coming into his rookie season. Now he's had multiple concussions this year. Look, this is bad news, Bears. I don't want anything to do with Tua on my roster. I am looking to move on from him, and if I can move Tua – plus a pick to go get one of these other guys, like a Trevor Lawrence, like a, a Jalen Hurts, or a, a Joey B, Joe Cool, a Justin Herbert. I'm looking to upgrade from tour right now on the back of this really good season because I don't think it's sustainable because of one, it's not him, and two, his health is a serious concern for me. The other two guys that I think people may think about putting in this list are some younger guys, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Look, I can't put Trey Lance in the list of these guys because I haven't seen him on the field enough to say, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. I didn't like him coming out of school. I faded all of the 49ers wide receivers when he was the starter coming into the season. Now I kind of look dumb looking into the season now as good as Brandon iuka's is playing and George Kittle closing out the season. But the simple fact of the matter is it's not, it's not Trey Lance, right? So you got to think about that ankle injury is very similar to what Dax injury was. He's going to be coming back. His upside was the rushing and he's not going to have that his first year back. So I'm fading it to see if he has the arm and the the brains to be a really good pocket passing quarterback, which I think he's going to have to be moving into next season when he does get the starting reins back. I don't think Brock Purdy's taking that job or anything like that. Now, Brock Purdy has played very well in the four games, but I don't think it's because Brock Purdy is the reason, right? It's because that offense just works regardless of who the quarterback is. So I'm fading Trey Lance a little bit. And if I see him halfway through the season next year and he looks like the real deal, he's definitely probably jump leapfrogging uh, Kenny Pickett for sure, but probably not the other four guys. Uh, But Trey Lance for now, I'm going to hold off. And Justin Fields, I still don't think he has the passing ability there. He definitely has the rushing upside. I get it. The big reason for this is the, the coaching. I don't know if that coaching staff is going to be there. And if that coaching staff isn't, this is already not the staff that drafted him. If another regime comes in that did not draft him, it took him half a season to figure out how to use the guy, right? If you think about the first half of the season, Justin Fields was bad from a fantasy perspective and an NFL perspective. You now look at him now. The reason is because they finally figured out how to use him and say, hey, make your first read, and if it's not there, take off, run, go do your thing. So Justin Fields, can't put him in that top five as well. And A, I love that there are people agreeing with me right now. Nate says, thank you. Somebody looks at the fact that he has elite wide receiver around him. Tua would not be what Tua is if he was in Green Bay right now or anywhere in the NFC North. And I 100% agree with that statement. I, I mean, just look at last year, right? He didn't have Tyree Kill. Jalen Waddle was a possession receiver. This guy was—he had a hundred, the most targets of any rookie ever. But he he had just barely a thousand yards because the guy was getting seven yards a target, which is not Jalen Waddle's game, right? The, it, because they know Tua didn't have that capability. Now with Ty- Tyreek there, they're they're just taking the shots. Uh, anyway, so, Hey, I agree. I like that Tua is on that list for other people and not just me. Cause there are a lot of lovers out there for Tua and I would be baiting them. If I was the Tua owner, I'd be looking for somebody who really believes in him and upgrading at the quarterback position or getting the picks that I needed to go and upgrade at the quarterback position. All right. Hey, am I missing somebody? Is there a quarterback you think should be in that? Hit us up at SGPN Fantasy or hit me up at FF Bourbon Dude. Comment on this video. We'll respond to those as well. Make sure you give us a like and a subscribe. And let's get into the running back position. or I'm sorry, the wide receiver position. But before we do that, look, I'm the Bourbon Dude. I can't do a podcast I can't do a live stream without talking about some bourbon. That's just my jam right That's my calling in life is loving bourbon and I'm sipping on a little bit of smoke wagon small batch if you haven't had it. it is everything that it says it is. it is smoky. It is out of Las Vegas, Nevada. They also have a vodka called Silver Dollar Vodka. It is very good product. Uh, my old man got me the rye. I haven't opened it for Christmas, but he did get me this nice clean cairn glass with the Smoke Wagon logo. It is awesome. If you're a bourbon drinker, cheers. Even if not, cheers with that glass of wine or that beer that you have. All right, let's get into the wide receiver position. And look, these are, we just, uh, you could give me the first three right off the bat, most likely everybody's going to have these three, albeit maybe in a different order. And again, these wide receivers have only been in the league for three or less years. Anybody over three years, I'm not looking to build my dynasty roster around. I want these young studs and guys that I'm willing to pay for. And the first one is obvious. That is Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. And oh my God, this dude starts out with 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. And we, we look at his rookie season, we're like, there's no way that this guy comes out and does it all over again. You're right, he didn't do it. He went for 1,600-plus yards and 10 touchdowns. And you say, all right, all, all, all right, look, that's two seasons in a row. There's no way that he can best that. Wrong again. This dude go, is currently at 1,756 yards and eight games, and he still has two games left. This is possible. This dude could be a 2,000-yard wide receiver based on his production up to this point. He is a top three wide receiver just from a, a talent perspective in the league, if not the best. I still think Devontae Adams, as bad as he's been the last two weeks, I still believe he is one of the top receivers in the game from just a talent perspective. But look, no one can deny Justin Jefferson and Even outside of your cornerstone rankings, he's probably number one overall period in Dynasty, regardless of cornerstone or not. Look, some of the trades are surprising for me, and I'm looking to move on to make these things happen, and these happen within the last week or so. I'm moving, and it happened. Tyreek Hill and a mid-23 first for Justin Jefferson in a rebuild situation for a Dynasty team I'm I'm okay moving on from Tyreek Hill, not only because of the age difference between him and Justin Jefferson, but also the reasoning that I talked about with Tua and him not being in my top five cornerstone quarterback ranking. There's just some volatility there with Tua and that arm, and I'm okay moving on from Tyreek Hill and plugging that mid to late 23 first to go get Justin Jefferson. The other one I thought was very interesting. I wouldn't have think that, thought this trade Uh, would have got accepted, but I think it's worth it. Cooper Cup and J.K. Dobbins for Justin Jefferson. If I can package a deal like that to go get Justin Jefferson, if I can move Devontae Adams and a young running back that maybe has like a Javonta Williams, something like that to go get Justin Jefferson, I'm definitely doing that. The more I see dynasty rosters that are winning, the more of them have these absolute stud wide receivers and then some mid-tier running backs. They've got depth at the running back position, but it's not them rolling out you know, top two dynasty running backs and then mid-tier wide receivers. It's the teams that have stud wide receivers and stud quarterbacks that are winning championships year in and year out. So look, Tyreek Hill mid-first, Cooper Cup, J.K. Dobbins, Devontae Adams, Javante Williams for Justin Jefferson. I'm looking at all three of those trades to try to go get a guy that is an absolute stud. Now, the volatility that I could see with Justin Jefferson is around the the Kirk Cousins tenure. How long is that tenure going to be? He is definitely locked in for the 2023 season, but it starts to turn into a question mark around 2024 that cap hits shifts. They can save money. Do they decide to move on from Kirk Cousins? Do they decide to extend him and work a deal? He's not old by any means. It would not surprise me if they do keep Kirk Cousins for a little, you know, another three-year deal after this or something like that. Uh, but there is a little bit of volatility in just the unknown, there, right? We're just not sure uh, what that situation looks like right now. So Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one in cornerstone rankings. No questions asked, I don't believe. Wide receiver two, I think, may raise some eyebrows for people that may look at things a little bit differently than I. Look, my wide receiver two in cornerstone rankings is going to be C.D. Lamb, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. And look, this dude definitely took that third-year breakout seriously. Everybody up until two years ago, two, three years ago, looked at wide receivers. When is there, When are they going to hit that third-year breakout? What wide receivers, that was kind of the expected, okay, you either break out your third year or you might be bumped down the dynasty rankings in a little bit. And I think the last few years, people have been spoiled with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, both of which 1,400-yard receivers, double-digit touchdowns in their rookie seasons. That is not the norm. C.D. Lamb had an excellent rookie season by normal standards. He was just overshadowed by these other guys. That third year, he's there. He's taken that jump. He's seen improvements in targets and catches and yardage and in touchdowns from year one to year two and again from year two to year three. And that's not even to mention the fact that he missed, he hasn't even missed a game yet. This dude is the pillar of health And he is an alpha mentality. He's the alpha in Dallas. They moved on from Amari Cooper, and there were some question marks. Are we going to see Juju Smith-Schuster all over again when he looked really good, and then they lost Antonio Brown and went to crap? No, C.D. Lamb is the real deal. He's given you seven, count it, seven top 12 wide receiver weekly finishes and two Number one overall wide receiver week. So not only does he give you the solid floor from week to week, he also gives you that wide receiver one weekly upside. And for the price, I'm going to get him. Two, three trades that I think are really good values right now that you need to think about. If you can move Josh Jacobs for C.D. Lamb right now, I think that's a smash trade. I know Josh Jacobs is young. He's 24, but look. There's question marks. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's 24 going into a second contract. And when you rebuild, you don't buy running backs. You don't buy running backs in a rebuild. So if I can move Josh Jacobs for CeeDee Lamb, I'm smashing that. If I can move DJ Moore and Tony Pollard, another running back who's 25, going on his age 26 season, and DJ Moore in the, the crap show that is the Carolina Panthers and that quarterback room, I'm going to get my wide receiver two and and cornerstone rankings of C.D. Lamb. I think that's a really good value as well. And if I can move Debo Samuel on a late 23 first for C.D. Lamb, I'm going to do that as well. And look, this has a lot to do with my belief in Trey Lance and what the wide receiving core in San Francisco will look like when Trey Lance comes back. And it just hasn't been the same this year for Debo Samuel as it was last year with Jimmy G., uh, now Brock Purdy and Debo's hurt. This you know, coming you know, finishing up the season. So I'm looking to fade Debo a little bit. Others may not be looking at. So so I think there's some some uh, probably some waves in who believes what with Debo Samuel. But if I can move Debo in that late first for CD Lamb, I am definitely taking that trade as well. Let's move on to my wide receiver three and cornerstone rankings, and that's going to be. A lot of people's probably number one or number two, and that's going to be Jamar Chase, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. And look, I get it. He's one of the most dynamic wide receivers in the league, and he exploded in his first season with his college quarterback and Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bengals offense. And it did carry on into this season, right? He's looked good, but there's a reason for me having him at wide receiver three. And I look at him very similar and not from a skill set perspective, but from a fantasy production perspective, I look at Jamar Chase very much like I look at Mike Evans. He's going to give you a blow up week or he's going to give you a wide receiver three or four week. He doesn't really have a floor per se. And look, people might be saying, Brad, you're fucking crazy. You're you're crazy to think that's the case. But I disagree. And here's here's some proof of that, right? Right. This season, he's had four weeks as a wide receiver one. Now, he didn't miss some time. I get that. But four weeks as a wide receiver one. But he's also had five weeks as a wide receiver three or worse. Wide receiver three or worse. I don't want... Just him over Justin Jefferson because of that. I don't want him over CD Lamb because of what I talked about with CD Lamb and his seven finishes as a wide receiver one and that floor that he gives. There's just too much up and down for me. And it's the same thing as last season. He had seven games with over 20, 20 fantasy points, which is great when he's in. But then he had nine games at 12 or less. Nine games at 12 or less. Some of those in single digits a lot of those in single digits. Look, I can't put a guy above Justin Jefferson who's giving me single digit fancy football points. I just can't do it. Look, I know he can win you any given week because he's got that upside. The volatility for me is the reason he's at wide receiver three. And look, I'm not saying Jamar Chase is not good, right? Don't hear what I'm not saying. Right, I'm not saying you should get rid of Jamar Chase. What I'm saying is I can't put him ahead of these other two guys because of the consistency concerns that I have, and they also have that T. Higgins guy there. That's a pretty good football player if if you you don't forget about him. Right? Trades for Jamar Chase though, I think are starting to come around. They're starting to be a little interesting. Right? We talked about Devontae Adams earlier in moving him. If I can move Devontae Adams and Christian McCaffrey for Jamar Chase. I'm going to take that trade at face value. I know it looks difficult. It looks like it's a bad deal, but look, Devonte Adams is 30 going on 31. Christian McCaffrey's 26 going on 27. All it's going to take is one injury to Christian McCaffrey. Knock on wood. I don't wish that on him. Right. But one injury, one somewhat significant injury to him and his dynasty value is going to plummet. And I mean, plummet, right? Same thing with Devonte Adams, a 31 year old receiver, a guy, All it's going to take is one injury to end up like a Julio Jones and not from a production perspective, but from a value perspective. So I'm looking right now, it might look like a loss, but the middle of next season, if these guys get hurt, it's looking like a smash deal. So Devonta Adams and CMC for Jamar Chase, I think, is a pretty interesting deal, and I'd be thinking about it. The other one I think is really good. And again, you're looking at rebuild and building a dynasty roster. We talked about not building a dynasty roster about running backs. So if I can move Brees Hall and a 23 second for Jamar Chase, I'm definitely looking at smashing that deal. I would even be willing to up that second to a late first. I wouldn't want it to be an early first, but a late first. If I can move Brees Hall and a late first for Jamar Chase, I think that's a really good dynasty fantasy football move as well. So let's move on to my wide receiver four in cornerstone rankings, and that's going to be Jalen Waddle, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. And look, I know we talked about, hey, I think we should get out of Tyreek Hill. Hey, I think Tua isn't in my top five because I think there's some volatility there. The simple fact of the matter is it doesn't matter for Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle can do anything on the field. We saw him do the close to the line of scrimmage stuff and be a really good asset to your fantasy team last year. And we've seen him more down the field stuff this season. But he does have that same boomer bust potential that I just talked about with Jamar Chase, right? Tyreek, he's seeing less competition from a cornerback perspective, right? Tyreek Hill's taking that alpha corner, that over the top coverage. So it's given Jalen Waddle those middle, mid routes in the middle of the field, down the field, that kind of thing. Uh, he's seeing that lesser cornerback competition, which I think is huge. Now, the big plus is we talked about his rookie season, the efficiency just not being there. He had a ton of targets, low yards. Now he's getting good. Good targets, not, not elite targets, but good targets, but his efficiency has gone through the roof right now, and it's just compared to his rookie season, it's great, and I think that's more to, to say about Jalen Waddle as a prospect coming out. He was really good, and they found ways to utilize him, and now that offense has morphed a little bit with Mike McDaniels, and it's looked really good for Ty- for uh, Jalen Waddle as well. The volatility for Jalen Waddle is, look, I think there's a chance they're going to invest in the running back position. We talked about Miami being 31st in rushing attempts. They just don't run the ball a lot right now. So with that, they bring in a running back. Their passing attempts are going to come down. Their rushing attempts are going to go up. And we're going to con- need to continue to see Jalen Waddle be very efficient with the target share that he's getting you know, for him to be a cornerstone of your dynasty roster. So there is some volatility in that perspective, but the value is there when you can get Jalen Waddle for a singular 24 first right now. I think that's a really good deal and a deal I'm willing to make to build my dynasty roster when I can move Debo Samuel on a late, or uh, I'm sorry, Debo Samuel in a 24 second. I'm looking to make that move to go get Jalen Waddle as well. If I can pay this price, for Waddle, I think it's worth it to build your dynasty roster around a guy like Jalen Waddle because I think he's got he's going to continue to improve as well. Now let's get to my wide receiver five, and this is where it's going to get interesting because a lot of people could look at, say, a Michael Pittman and put Michael Pittman in here. People could look at T. Higgins, the other wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, and put him in here. People could look at Amon Ra St. Brown and say, dude, look at Amon Ra. He needs to be in your top five cornerstone wide receiver rankings. But my guy might not be a surprise to those of you who have listened to me talk before. He's going to be Devonta Smith, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, as my cornerstone wide receiver five. Again, these are wide receivers who have been in the league for three or less years. He's not my dynasty wide receiver five. He's just my cornerstone wide receiver five. So all I heard about Devonta Smith coming out of college was all oh, his size. He's too small. He's too sly to build. He's not going to be any good. It's going to take one hit. Well, look. This dude hasn't missed a game, and he's been one hell of a wide receiver since he's been in. He's done nothing but prove that he deserved to be that high pick in that draft. He deserved it. He is a monster. He had a hell of good rookie season last year that just got overshadowed. People looked at it and they're like, ah, nine hundred yards. That's nothing. That's not very good. Nine hundred yards and six touchdowns is nothing for a rookie. For a rookie with Jalen Hurts in his full first full year starting and a new head coach you're going to tell me that's and eh, that's okay no that's nonsense that is nonsense he looked excellent he performed very well in his rookie season and he just built on that this year he bested it and they added A.J. Brown. They bring in A.J. Brown, and what's what does Devonta Smith do? He goes and increases yardage. He's already over 1,000 yards for the year. He's already gone over five touchdowns from his rookie season at seven right now. And that's on a team that throws the ball the 10th fewest of the league. They're not even throwing the ball a bunch right now. So, look, Devonta Smith is a beast. And when you couple him with A.J. Brown, when you couple him with the ascension of Jalen Hurts, which I talked about a little bit earlier it's just more things to come, and he is the epitome. This is another guy that I look at with a wide, a third-year breakout, right? Again, I go back to the third-year breakout because people stopped talking about it after Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. They think, if you don't come in and put up 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns, you're not worth it in my book, which is nonsense. These rookies, that is not the norm. It is the exception, right? Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are exceptions, Right? Devonta Smith and C.D. Lamb are the rules. Those guys came in, they look good, 900-yard r- rookie seasons, and they build on that and have those true third-year breakouts. I absolutely love it. And look, JT, I absolutely love this. And I have the, a lot of these rookies this season are in my honorable mentions for Dynasty cornerstone wide receivers because they've looked really good, but I can't put them above these guys. Now, next year it changes because Jamar Chase, he's out because he's already in his third year. Justin Jefferson, he's out. Or I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson's out because it's already his third year. CeeDee Lamb, out because it's already his third year. So some of these rookies, whether it be Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, Trelon Burks, Christian Watson, right? A lot of these wide receivers that coming into this year, us in Dynasty, we're like, like, eh, do we really like these guys? This is this is a pretty low-performing wide receiver class in 2023. Well, they prove all of us wrong. Right? Everyone was fading these wide receivers, saying they were not worth the pick. They were not the same as some of these prior rookie drafts, and they've definitely proven us wrong. So I could see some of these rookies jumping into that. I don't know if Garrett Wilson would be just because of the volatility at the quarterback position and what they're going to be looking to do there. That really kind of hinges on Garrett Wilson's value, in my opinion, similar to Chris Olave, right? What's going to happen in New Orleans with that quarterback position? So it's going to be interesting to see how these rookie wide receivers going into their second year Fit into the cornerstone rankings after CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson fall out. But I love the build with Devonta Smith and Garrett Wilson in your year one of a rebuild. That's a hella good start. And I absolutely love it. So, JT, good luck to you, man. And I hope it continues to build the way that you want it to build. So, Devonta Smith, a couple trades I wanted to talk about. And really, some of the reason that I have him above some of these other guys like Amon Ra and T. Higgins, the price for him is disgustingly low. When you can move George Pickens for him straight up, I'm smashing that deal twice on seven days a week, twice on Sunday. Every single time somebody's, I don't care if it's every dynasty league I'm in, I'm taking Devonta Smith over George Pickens. And then if I can get a late first for Devonta Smith, I'm taking that. I will move picks nine to 12 for Devonta Smith straight up in any league that I can get the player to take it. If I can get that owner to take my late first for Devonta Smith, I think it's a smash deal. I have a tendency to lean towards the what I've seen on the field and what I know. I know Devonta Smith is good because I've seen him on the field for two years now with the quarterback, with the offensive play calling, with the head coach that he's been there with that two years. I don't know about Njigba, right? I don't know where he's going. I don't know if his skills are going to translate on the field. You think they are, right? You do your best to scout and watch the film and say, oh, yeah, he's got really good feet. He's got good route running. He's got short area quickness and all this stuff. But it doesn't matter, right? People thought Trent Richardson was going to be good. And he came in, looked great his rookie season, super inefficient, but double-digit touchdowns, and then sucked ass and was out of the league in the next three or four years right? We really don't know jack shit from the grand scheme of things, right? We're just Joe Schmo sitting in my basement talking about football, right? Watching film. It's not like we're professional scouts, anything like that. Even the professional scouts get it wrong. Look at the guys who scouted those players and said, hey, we need to draft this guy number three overall, right? It just doesn't work that way. Sometimes it just doesn't pan out. And I think that's very possible in any class. So if I can move those late firsts for some of these known commodities, I'm going to do that. That's why I will move a late 23 first for Devonta Smith. And I think you should do that as well. Honorable mentions. I kind of threw these out there already. We talked about Amon Ra and the big reason he's not in the top five right now is just, again, the volatility. What does that offense look like when Jamison Williams is healthy? What does that offense look like is Jared Goff going to be the quarterback? Are they going to move on from Jared Goff? Do they draft a rookie? Do they bring in, you know, a, another, do they bring in Jimmy G? Do they bring in another quarterback in free agency to kind of fill that void and move on from Jared Goff? Who knows? But right now there's just a little bit too much volatility for me to put him in my top five. Uh, T Higgins I'm not going to argue with anybody who has T Higgins in their top five for me. I just can't put him above these guys because Jamar Chase is there and Jamar Chase is already in the top five. I know they throw the ball a ton right now, but T Higgins does have a little bit of a health bug. He can't seem to stay healthy very often. Uh, and Jamar chase is the alpha there right now. And as much as I thought T Higgins was an alpha, that's just not really the case. Uh, he does give you some really good weeks, but he's also that up and down kind of wide receiver. So, which is why I don't have him in my top five, but I could understand. And I'm not gonna argue with people who do, uh, Michael Pittman's the other guy that I think is an honorable mention here. Uh, I think from a talent perspective, he could probably be put in the top five. Uh, one of my favorite things to use when looking at wide receivers, uh, is I'll watch my film, right? I'll watch film, whether that's on Dynasty Nerds or those highlight reel YouTube videos or whatever. But I always like to go to Matt Harmon's Reception Perception. If you don't know what it is, check it out. It's receptionperception.com. Uh, Matt Harmon goes out and charts every route that players' wide receivers run. He does it for rookies that are coming into the draft, and he does it for as many wide receivers as he can get through, through the season. And look, this guy is really good at it. And what he does is he gives you Uh, The percentage of each route that that wide receiver runs, but he also tells you whether he wins at that route, not whether he caught a pass or not, but whether or not he beat the coverage in, in that route. He rates them against zone. He rates them against man. And he says Michael Pittman is a beast. And when you go and you watch Michael Pittman on film, it translates. He passes the eye test for me as well. I can't put him in my top five because, again, the volatility at the wide receiver position. They fired their head coach. Who knows what that philosophy is going to be? They've got Jonathan Taylor. So that in my eyes, they'd be silly not to lean on him to be successful. So I just don't know that the volume is necessarily going to be there for Michael Pittman to be an alpha, a true top 12 wide receiver for years to come right now. So that's why he is outside of my top five right now. And then, like I said, when JT made his comment around uh, Garrett Wilson being in his uh, in part of his rebuild, I just don't know with these rookies yet. I can't put them above those five, right? But we talked about Ceedee Lamb coming out. We talked about Justin Jefferson coming out. Most likely, these rookie, a couple of these rookies are going to slide in there, or maybe even the 2023 rookies, depending on how they perform, slide into that spot. But right now, that uh, none of them break the top five for me. So, hey, look, we're at. 50 minutes, pretty good time. We were trying to, you know, Dave and I talked about trying to keep it under 45, but I talk a lot and I'm winded now. I'm going to take a nice big swig of bourbon to wet my whistle after we get done. Again, it's Smoke Wagon. If you you haven't tried it, I would highly recommend it uh, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's just take a real quick review of my top five quarterback cornerstone rankings and my top five wide receiver rankings. My number one quarterback is Joe, or I'm sorry, Justin Herbert. Number two is Joe Burrow. Number three is Jalen Hurts. Number four is Trevor Lawrence. And number five is Kenny Pickett. Top five cornerstone uh, running or quarterbacks. And my wide receivers are Justin Jefferson at one, CeeDee Lamb at two, Jamar Chase at three, um, Jalen Waddle at four, and Devonta Smith at. Five. So hey, thanks for listening in. I appreciate it. Thanks for your comments. Give us a like, give us a subscribe. Hit us up on Twitter at SGPN fantasy. Hit me up at FF Bourbon Dude or my uh normal host, Dave. That's at Dynasty Dorks, Dave Heilman. Hey, cheers and good luck if you're going to the championship next week.